it has come to my attention that a picture of me has been floating around the instant cams and tic-tac-toes. If I ever find out who memefied me, I'll memefy you. was your meal delicious i of course find it pretty problematic that this is a french korean food fusion restaurant called the dmz <laughs> but this soundtrack is amazing i've never heard any of these songs before but it feels like i have uh, we get that a lot i'll be right back with your check thank you hello Hey, hey, I'll be home soon. I just stopped by some problematic lunch. Oh, gulag goulash, I love that place. <laughs> oh, no, no, actually right across the street from there, though. Oh, wait. Well, what is it? Huh, I can't believe it. I just found a candy bar in my pocket. I must have absentmindedly picked it up while I was grocery shopping and didn't pay for it. That's literally <laughs> never happened to me before. Jamie, no, you, you've got to get out of there. You're in oh, danger. Oh, the waiter's coming back. Be home soon. No, no, Jamie. No, Jamie. I'm very sorry, mademoiselle. There's been an issue. Oh, what issue? Your card. Eh, mon dieu. It has been declined. And also, should I still be friends? Yeah, you're still friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You are under arrest. You have the right to die. What the hell? For the crime of shoplifting. If you choose to waive that right, I will bring you in peacefully. What's it going to be, mon ami? Uh, 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 stop! You are resisting arrest! Phew. Stop. You've committed the crime of jaywalking. You have the right to die. Hey, stop! While jaywalking, that candy bar fell out of your pocket. You have committed <laughs> the crime of littering. You have the right to die. I know I should be terrified, but I'm mostly distracted by the amount of denim you two are wearing. <laughs> we got a call to respond to the white-owned international cuisine neighborhood. Real piece of work, it seems. She already racked up a bounty of $200. And I can't wait to go judge, jury, and executioner on her ass. No, there must be some kind of misunderstanding. This dystopian nightmare from 1989 is way too real and hits way too close to home in 2022. Ma'am, what seems to be the problem here? She's under arrest for shoplifting! She's under arrest for dining and dashing. She's under arrest for uh, shoplifting, I, I think is what I saw. <laughs> She's under arrest for some questionable tweets that lean towards treason. She's under arrest for assaulting an officer. No, she's under arrest for resisting arrest. She's under arrest for littering. She's under arrest for jaywalking. Whoa! My wall! Interrogation mode. You are under <laughs> arrest for various misdemeanors. How do you plead? Okay, so first there was a French raider, then a collection of what appears to be if you gave every camera-facing individual from the insurrection a deputy star. Now there's a Robocop. This is way too messy. It lacks all direction. Where is the justice? Hey, haven't you heard, ma'am? Justice as we know it has ceased to exist. 
again, I know this is a parody, but it doesn't feel like one. It feels a little <laughs> too real. So I'd love if we could wrap this up in a convenient way so I don't have to be sad anymore or, or die in this skit. Did somebody say convenient? <laughs> I've got a robo club with three pillars of justice and a pinky and a thumb right here. <laughs> Wow, this would probably look disproportionately cool if only people could see it. The robot is too strong. Scatter! Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Robot Glove. The audience can't see it, but the Robot Glove is giving the okay hand sign. Oh, thank goodness you explained it. I was worried it was the white power sign. (laughs) Well, I think we all learned an important lesson about the criminal justice system today. Did we? Halt! You are still under arrest for lazy writing and repeated infractions of Deus Ex Machina. How do you plead? Oh, guilty. Very guilty. (laughs) (laughs) You ever just get sad writing something halfway through and you're like, I don't want to write this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I got sad reading it. (laughs) For the bounty hunters of the future, committed a crime. David Carradine is setting the standard in... You have a right to die. Future Force. A mercenary police force. An undercover reporter. I want her dead in a box six feet in the ground! A city gone insane. David Carradine in Future Force. So we don't have to think too hard about whatever that was. <laughs> Welcome, classmates, to Future Force. <laughs> Before we delve into what is a look at our future or present or past of 1991, let's do the roll call. Greg Hansen. This movie is so ridiculously on the nose. They should have named their female lead Miranda, right? <laughs> <laughs> Josh Roth. So does Video High stand for Very In-Depth Examination of How I Got Here? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, the last H has to actually stand for systems, but they won't say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Casey Regan? I lost my notebook. (laughs) But I'm excited to talk about Future Force, starring David Carradine, one of the most... Not talented martial artist. One of the best at pretending. No, not one of the best at pretending (laughs) he could do martial arts. One of the most well-known and respect. Well, I guess not really. (laughs) I guess definitely the most iconic famous masturbator of all time. (laughs) (laughs) And the most heroic. I mean, come on. Think of another famous masturbator you respect. Pee Wee Herman, goddammit. Fred Willard. (laughs) Somewhere Ron Jeremy is listening and he's... I'll not stand for this racial. His is legendary, though. You know, it's the end of Thelma and Louise. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Except it's. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Should have been drinking then. (laughs) Let's just keep on going, he says to a belt. (laughs) (laughs) Wraps around his hand. I knew we would get to autoerotic asphyxiation immediately. I did not. (laughs) We dead sprinted right to it. I respect this man very much. (laughs) I want that to be known. Sorry. 
And I'm Jamie Kennedy saying, now this is the movie I was hoping to get back in 2006 when I bought tickets to John Tucker Must Die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That movie was false advertising. Yeah, how many John Tuckers died in that one? None. Zero John Tuckers died. Wait, but no John Tuckers died in this one either. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, the, but there were also no attempts made on John Tucker in the yeah. other one. Look, I'm fine with laying as many accusations as we can at the feet of John Tucker must die. But <laughs> <laughs> these, the two movies, Your Honor, do kill the same amount of John Tuckers. <laughs> John Tucker Must Die makes more sense as a title for this movie. It, it does. like sounds like a like retitling for a, a VHS release if this wasn't released on VHS. Right. It, it like it, it's a very uh bring me the head vibes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Future Force doesn't really mean anything or is ever said in the movie <laughs> <laughs> well originally it was called cops that makes more sense i yeah. think david a Pryor, the director of this movie and one of the partners who started aip action international pictures this is one of four movies that he himself directed in 1989 he made as many in 1988 he made more than that in 1990 oh. and you could pretty much do a, a dice roll on titles and just swap them out because I'll just read you some of the other titles. <laughs> Please. That could also be the title for this movie in another world. Raw Justice. <laughs> <laughs> At least on a hot day and all that denim. <laughs> Lock and Load. Yep. Invasion Force. Oh, wow. White Fury. Ooh. Oh, okay. Ooh. Oh. Subtle, and we're also talking about movies that are just genre convention plus genre convention for ten to fifteen dollars. That's that's the aesthetic here. And I really do love that. Yeah, it's carny attitude. It's like step right up and see this death defying thing. That thing being, you know, the end of culture. But I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it with a bunch of explosions and you know the, some craggly old face you kind of remember kicking people and and then a lot of people who kind of look like people that you kind of remember. Right. <laughs> AIP, not Corman's AIP, but Action International Pictures. You specifically would know them for Space Mutiny. Mm. These are the guys that did Space Mutiny. <laughs> Space Mutiny, Soul Taker, <gasps> and Final Sacrifice, aka Quest of the Lost City. Okay, so these are artists. Three these of are... my favorite MST episodes ever. <laughs> yes. Just great films. I think we can all agree. Wouldn't it be wild if I had seen those three movies but hadn't seen any of the movies that I've talked about? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Great movies. <laughs> I can't tell if I liked this movie or not. <laughs> That's wrong. That's incorrect. I think this is actually a great for us to be talking about now, considering... I mean, I hope it will be out of the news. I hope no one will be talking. Every time you've started a sentence like this, it has proved to be untrue. So This is a, a less meaningful one. The fact that for some reason, the Twitter hive mind has turned its attention upon movies, sees the Northman and goes like, wait, that movie doesn't upset Nazis? So burn it! Burn all printings of it! If a movie is reactionary... It fuels uh, reactionaries. Like maybe it, that feeds down to a law that it will be long term, or a rumor written on a piece of paper about a law that they want to overturn. <laughs> that like maybe in the long term is scary apocalyptic thinking, but 
what I sort of loved and hated about this movie was it's like people who are like reactionary have always just been scared of the same shit. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's just the same panic over and over again. And while it's very upsetting that that sort of mode of thinking hasn't been like done away with every once in a while, the fact that it comes out with a fucking goofball movie like this, is it all worth it? <laughs> Crime in America was out of control. Prisons were overloaded. Police forces were understaffed. Gun battles in city streets became commonplace. No one was safe. The cities had become the battlefields of the future, and the criminals were winning the war. The public demanded change, and the government responded. Police departments across the country were shut down, and law enforcement was handed over to private enterprise. Civilian, operated, police, incorporated, took over. And within two years, crime was under control. The price, however, was a heavy one. For justice, as we once knew it, had ceased to exist. The thing that I noticed extremely early in this movie that I hope you did too is the fact that they couldn't afford to have more than four people on screen <laughs> at the same time oh, yeah. at all. They had no permits. It was wild to just continuously cut between three bad guys and David Carradine or two bad guys, Marion and David Carradine. <laughs> and that's it. I was like, there's no one on the streets <laughs> yeah. in this movie unless they're in the way background being like, oh, people are getting shot. Do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because if you do anything, you could just get shot by cops in this world. <laughs> yeah, Which again, our world. too real. <laughs> I think I loved this movie. Because at first it it sucks so bad. It opens <laughs> it opens yeah. with such a strong suck, right? Maybe that's why I yeah. felt like halfway on it was the opening. It it opens so bad. It's limp. It is a limp opening. <laughs> you mean the title crawl with no crawl? Like I I don't know how many times I've ever heard just like a title crawl, but they didn't want to spring for a text edit. <laughs> no, I'm a big I'm a big fan of establishing B roll shots of just. Factory, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. we cut into a scene of two guys from the factory <laughs> talking to a drug dealer. That drug dealer seemed of... like the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, he was, was awesome. I got what you need. Okay, what is that? <laughs> yeah. What is the thing that they need? <laughs> well, 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 the cats and jammer kids, the working stiffs. What's going on, boys? Good to see you. So, how's life treating you in there? All right. And then David Carradine oozes onto the screen. <laughs> I'm John Tucker. C-O-P-S. right to die. You choose to relinquish that right. Be placed under arrest and imprisoned. I haven't got all night. And I was really struck in that moment with this thought of, why is David Carradine? <laughs> that thought won't go away, Casey. <laughs> it is objectively a very odd casting choice in this movie. He only gets to throw punches in the last 10 minutes of the movie, and only because they like decided, well, 
Now it's a fist fight. <laughs> if you're watching an old Sylvester Stallone or something, you're watching a, like an Expendables, right? To see like this 75-year-old guy just be like, come on! But like that, <laughs> that 75-year-old guy wakes up at 2 a.m. every day, injects creatine into his fucking eyeballs, <laughs> uh, and then like does just pumps it up, pumps it up, baby, and like still like doesn't drink water for a year and a half, so his muscles will look... Incredible on film on the day. This is the day we're filming that shot, right? <laughs> David Carradine was on a bender the night before that shot. And night by before. Ben, and by, night before. And, and by bender, I mean he had eaten so many instant noodles that the sodium had like given him just this sort of like over. Yeah, he was like, he was like, oh buddy, he was leaning over a lazy boy. Uh, chair as that fucking these girls are on spring break commercial plays <laughs> he's just an old guy and I he's even thought back an like, old guy in a sleeveless leather or denim denim, denim. it's only de- it's so if much you can't denim. remember what a fabric is in this movie assume it's denim <laughs> you have committed a fashion crime you're presumed <laughs> denim you have the right to die <laughs> this movie is fucking Levi stressing me out. <laughs> I'm not old enough to really know what the fuck Kung Fu's deal was. Did he actually do Kung Fu in the show? Yes. Was he actually a martial artist? No. <laughs> so, so is the kung fu <laughs> asked and answered. So is the kung fu in kung fu? Kung Fu, or is it like this sort of fighting we saw in this movie, which is just like hip bop, hip bop? It's just two old actors swinging their fucking haunches at each other. Was it that, but he was younger and nimbler? It's like two rhinoceroses just going was, at it, yeah, the, vying like, for dominance. Right. The, one of them will be the lead giraffe at the end of this, and one of them will be fucking. Yo, uh, to be fair, giraffes fighting, way more impressive. You ever see yeah. that? They fucking swing their necks yeah. at each other. Other, and it's terrifying. Intense. The answer is they should have cast giraffes in this movie. <laughs> and I will, t- I will be talking about David Carradine for the above report card. What? But basically, yeah, I know. Surprise, because, because there were so many other things in this movie for which to have a above report card about. David Carradine was cast in Kung Fu. The character he plays, Kane, is half Chinese, half white. Shaolin monk. He is not Chinese. He is mostly Irish. (laughs) He did not at that time know martial arts. He was trained in dance, and apparently that helped him in the training. But he was trained by real martial artists for the show. And ultimately, through the show and after pursued martial arts, apparently pretty seriously, and ended up in 2005 having a couple of instructional videos on Qigong and Tai Chi. So uh, at some point in the late 80s, did he completely <laughs> he might have forg- stop I mean, that, travel back in time, never <laughs> like do an exercise ever in his life? For somebody who was on a show called Kung Fu, the Kung Fu in this movie was uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so bad. Could you even call it kung? I don't even no, know what it was. It was a fist fight. Like, yeah. that it was, was nothing. It was nothing. I do not believe there was a fight choreographer. I think that, <laughs> no, they, I I think that they were just like, that. yeah, yeah, tussle around a bit. And the, the old guys were like passing a gym beam <laughs> handle back and forth. They're like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> yeah, they're just like fucking swinging their legs like pool noodles at each other's legs. <laughs> Nothing's like, no, they're not. <laughs> this movie covers action the way people cover fucking interviews. Mm. Yes. It's just like shot, <laughs> shot reverse yeah. shot of the same cars driving around the same four blocks and it's just like, shoot. Uh, okay, cut back to shoot. Uh, okay, cut back to shoot. No increasing <laughs> sense of danger. No actual destruction of the vehicles until the end of yeah. the scene. These scenes are like five minutes long and there's basically no stakes nor any illusion of danger and i was like this is crazy yeah, yeah. this is crazy that someone who purports to be the head of action international <laughs> pictures yeah. cannot seem to figure out that what's cool about action scenes is seeing something happen yeah it felt like cheesing a boss battle at the end of a hard video <laughs> <laughs> i'll just stand over here behind this rock where the blast can just sort of not get me and i'll shoot my weak attack like for the next hour and a half at him <laughs> it really sucked but somehow didn't ruin the movie hey when adams got riddled with bullets at least we got that yeah they saved all of their squibs for that shot maybe that's it it's like that's the middle that was the boring nougaty center at the end of like it's like those ice cream cones where you eat them down to a gumball no. i just had ice cream you're gonna get me with hard cold <laughs> thing that will be tasteless in about five seconds before i put it in my mouth yes. david carradine in this movie does look like a melted popsicle <laughs> <laughs> yeah you ask for the robert carradine ice pop and you get it and, it, and the picture looks like robert and and then you open it, you're like, oh, it's more yeah. David. David. Just for context, by like 1983, David Carradine was not a big deal. And so is in a fuckload of these super cheap cash-in movies, mostly Corman stuff, did a lot of Corman Filipino movies where he usually would be in the boardroom. He was like the general who has a big gun on the cover who holds that big gun one time in the movie and they stole that image for the cover and then generally is like, you gotta get my men out of there. And then at the very end goes, I'm gonna get my men out of there myself. And <laughs> so it's not surprising to me that, that he's the action star here because at this point he was apparently still technically, quote unquote, an action star. But yeah, the choice to put him in a denim vest to show off his lack oh. of muscles. He has a fairly famous substance abuse problem of which I think it was always fairly obvious by just like how tired he looked. But this is the only movie I've seen so far where I was like, you're drunk right now. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. are on screen. You're like, I fucking... I'm going to get the bounty. But, like, <laughs> I was like, what's happening, Dave? He's dressed like a wild hog or an old dog. I'm not entirely sure which one of those movies <laughs> is which, but it's one of them. I think Tim Allen is in both of them. I think he is. Or Travolta is. Or no, I Travolta is no in both of them, yes. It melted my fucking brain when we started this movie with 
the cops don't exist anymore and so we privatized it and now they're bad pretty heavy-handed of the movie and then david carradine shows up wearing a vest with a huge hand on the back of it and i was like this movie is so heavy-handed it's literally <laughs> showing us the heavy hands <laughs> yeah manos <laughs> the hand of fate justice has ceased to exist which is so funny it's such a funny thing to say but feels again very like right-wing reactionary it's the way they always have talked freedom is going away. What does that mean? I don't freedom. We lost freedom. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> this freedom that's gone? This movie is very anti-police. Incredibly. But, but, yes. Okay. Yes. Agreed. But also what is the greater message because like if you put it through the lens of today you're like, okay, so this is what happens when we defund the police but i guess this is what happens when we defund the police and put in a private police right. system yeah exactly it felt like someone wishing to defund the police on a monkey's paw and this is what we got <laughs> <laughs> from the lapd originally oh, yeah? like don't forget that little subtext yeah. that the real hero is the one real cop from back when there were cops who also permanently paralyzed a child because he <laughs> yes. shot into the dark of an apartment Ooh, complex oh, i mean the billy's sub plot is fascinating. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Wow. It's so vague, yet also so specific. It's the worst image to just have one throwaway line about. That is meant to be like the emotional center of the movie. The emotional center of the movie is a throwaway line about a shot child. <laughs> just to give you an idea of what the tone of future force is. Josh, do you want to do like a one minute sum up of the plot? Oh yeah, I easily that's all could. it takes. It's I all it takes. It takes more than a minute, I'll be fucking shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Though I think we have two more hours of discussion about it because I we are revved. Yeah, we could talk about the movie all day, but the, the plot is is razor but not, thin. But not the plot. <laughs> In the year 1991, cops were disbanded and replaced by cops. C-O-P-S. <laughs> Our main character and I guess protagonist, John Tucker, is a cop out with a robo arm in his trunk that his friend Billy, who he crippled, gave to him. <laughs> Billy repeatedly reminds him, don't forget, the robo-arm has a remote control. That'll come back once. Check off remote. But come on, you only need once when it's that good. <laughs> the CEO of Cops, guy named Adams. Every time. Every time it's funny. They thought that was so cool, I'm sure of it. Is corrupt, obviously, because he's the head of Cops. A uh, budding news anchor named Marion has a story of something. No, she is literally a talking head and someone's like, hey, you're going to play this B-roll tomorrow. And she's like, great, can't wait. And then they put a hit out on her life because she's the one who would introduce it. She doesn't even have yeah. the she has tape. no information. <laughs> it's so good. She is useless apart from she is the face of this, so of this news story that's going to expose Adams and cops. So he calls out a hit on her on the cops database. The bodega scroll. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. It basically yes. just says like cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> Powerball jackpot, $1 million. Yeah. <laughs> One of Billy's superpowers is that he's able to intercept things from the cop's computer for a couple minutes, I guess, which is enough time for Tucker to find Marion in a parking garage. And the other cops want Marion. Tucker shoots one of the other cops with his laser hand. This repeats 
six more times. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's it. That's yeah. the movie. Repeat. So for the rest of the movie, Tucker is trying to get Marion somewhere. And uh, yeah, that's basically the whole movie. That's the thing. And he yeah. and Marion fall in love. They go to her apartment. Her friend's apartment. Her, right. Her dead friend's apartment. They spend the night there. She wakes with up her, in the with morning. With their dead friend's corpse on the I ground. I have to assume. They <laughs> had sex in the other room while her friend was just rotting there. Yeah. In the morning, she wakes up. The, the other side of the bed is empty. And she's like, Tucker? And then there's a note that says, love Tuck. I thought that was Ooh, so yeah, Tuck so... everlasting. <laughs> is not what she calls him in bed. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie was refreshingly light on plot. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Give up. Sit tight while I run you in the computer. Got that? Yeah, yeah, man. We got it. Come swinging out the gate with. You have the right to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's how is, fucked up society is now, man. And if you wave that right, I'll bring you in, is so gloriously on the nose. You know, he blows away a, a drug dealer, <laughs> and then the guy's buying the drugs. And the guys who are buying the drugs, you know, are giving him a hard time. And by hard time, you mean like then trying to physically they try assault to kill him. him. Yeah, they try to kill him. They try to run they him try, over. Well, no, but before they try to run him over, they kind of hit him with a two by four oh, or yeah. whatever. And then they're just like impetuous 18 year olds like, Hrump, okay, I guess you'll we'll let you take us in. And he's like, I'm going to be a nice guy. And I kind of had this moment where I was like, you say nice guy the way fucking college kids are like, I'm a nice guy guy but i can't get girls to like yeah me. right yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah then it's just you know no what you have to agree with is the conceit that justice has ceased to exist and there are just people out there who want to do some goddamn violence but what i love about this movie is it then extends that to the police the uh, business people the priesthood everyone is governed by violence in yeah, this movie we, we, we keep i need to talk about this i need to talk about we're this. not explaining that the man who previously ran the streets is this guy in a priest's collar that we don't really get any background for. never explained what do you want 15 20 percent what i'll take 50 you can't be serious who the hell do you think you're talking to mr becker show mr grimes just how serious we are you're a public company. You've got to account to them. And that's going to eventually bring you down. And it does. I'll be out waiting. I was wondering if it was just a weird future costuming choice, but then they, they hang a lantern on it because Adams says, Lord giveth, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> there's some great zingers in oh this movie. Oh my god! You've got sure you've got David Carradine asking if those two guys in the beginning had any like criminal records, and he's like, "Just uh, parking tickets." And like he looks <laughs> over at their flipped over car and goes, "They're gonna get one more." Yeah. <laughs> or when he pushes two people in a car off a cliff because their oh. brakes don't work, and he goes tough breaks <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure the blowing up of the car at the beginning of the movie is a recycled shot or at least will be recycled in more aip movies i'm i'm 99 well, sure when you that. got it flaunt it you know yeah yep. this struck me too when he's like getting ready to to handle the small time misdemeanor committers who are ready to immediately go to murder a police officer yep. which <laughs> again because of the rest of this movie gives me the feeling that that's 
probably the smart move in this world. Like the cops yeah. are there to kill you. The like yeah, literally yeah. the you, like uh, the right to die seems like the right choice. We're not explained where you go when you're arrested and what happens. No, you're to seemingly you. just brought to a strip club with other cops who will shoot you. That's just great. This world is so insane. He goes to the back of his jeep, which says a uh, Cherokee chief on the back of it. And I don't, is that, <laughs> was that a car? I don't know cars. I have no I've idea. I've heard of the, the jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. I've heard of jeeps. Was this I, the I cheaper thought it was a, version? I thought it was a Chevy. Well, whatever it was, I know on the b- truck bed it said Cherokee chief. I wrote that down because, look, this is David Carradine we're talking about. And he's been seen as like a tacit, serious, effective killer in a vest. And I was like, uh, are, we doing, are we doing another minstrelization, Carity? Are we doing another? <laughs> That's so, which sort of makes sense because being a member of the Carradine family, much like portraying, like shooting people with as like a Western antihero on film, goes back like they're old time performers, you know, the Carradine family. That's a that's a long, proud history of pretending to be other races <laughs> for uh, entertainment. Serious music starts. We see close ups of like the latches flipping on the box like we are being introduced to this motherfucking globe, which is so sweet. <laughs> He's a character. Truly. Well, Yeah, the introduction of the glove is more effective than the introduction of our star. Yeah, our star just like slugs (laughs) onto the screen. Wild. Yeah, we love this glove. We love this fucking glove. You can encapsulate it in our first look at our hero is his feet on the dashboard of his beat up truck. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) our first vision of our hero. And a baseball cap that says cops with periods in between, which made me think, yeah, he's like a teamster. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it'd be worth talking about the next scene, which is the introduction of our villains, which was pretty fucking cool. I liked it a lot. I liked our villains a lot, even though they were very obvious composites. Don't do this. Don't do it. I'll agree to anything you want. I'll find anything you want. I'll give you everything. I don't care. Just don't do it. Stop your sniveling, Johnson. Or to die like a man. I'll give you my whole damn company. I don't. Just get me out of here. We've already got the money. We take over the company tomorrow. But you can keep the car. The introduction of them, I don't know what they're doing, but there's like a Weasley company man in a car going, I'll give you all my money. I'll give you the whole company. I'll give you anything. And they're like, well, we got it already. We already took it. Uh, You're dying means we're in control of the company tomorrow. So, no, we we don't have to not kill you. In fact, we have to kill you. And we're going to do it now. And then they get, they crush the car while he's in it. And it was pretty, yeah. like, simple. Nothing. That was rad. It was old cinema, baby. It was just the right shot of a car getting yep. crushed with a low angle of the guy screaming in the crushed car for just long enough that it felt real. And then as the car is getting crushed, it stops using that to show that he died, which is good. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow, Becker. I sure hope so. 
it was simple, stupid movie making, and it worked really well. Which will be the last time we talk about the simple, stupid movie making. That works well. But not, yeah, not, it's the best but not film the last time the we talk about working really well, because I would say the rest of this movie works quite well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I want that tape back. You hear me? I want that tape in my hand. I want her dead in a box six feet in the ground. And I want it tonight. Well, and I wish he had more screen time because he, he has some charisma. They gave, him no, they gave him no lines for half of his fucking yeah, screen time. Yeah, they just time. put him on the screen. You got exactly what you wanted. You got him only screen with screen time. time. Yeah. They do set him up to be a scene chewer, and William Zip is is that, if nothing else. But yeah, there's like two or three scenes in the middle there where they just give him some like Canadian club and they're like, yo, Will, do some paperwork. We'll shoot it. <laughs> they literally cut away to him just to show him drinking whiskey. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. Yeah. Well, and then there's another time they cut back to him just to break a pencil. It comes right on the heels of Tucker getting away with Marion once again. But like no one has called him. He's not watching <laughs> the news. He's just like psychically new. He has once again escaped <laughs> He's like, oh. uh, I kind of took that as like, damn, the numbers just don't add yeah, up. Right. <laughs> I have a theory of why there's like diminishing returns on our villain. Cause William Zip does like open this movie pretty fucking sweet. Right. Like I loved the scene with uh, him and uh, you're talking about the Beckett, the guy, Beckett, Becker, yeah, yeah. Be- Becker, the guy who looks like fucking Lawrence Tierney <laughs> doing the crank. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, looks like Principal Strickland on steroids. <laughs> he looks like the fucking neighbor in Beavis and Butthead who's just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he passed away. But there is a, like, gritty rendition of the story of Humpty Dumpty that he was, like, destined for. <laughs> he could have played the toughest egg. You know, they really let these two villains, like, have it, right? William Zip really wanted to, like, make this a villain portrayal. And I think... This movie was released two years after The Untouchables. <laughs> and I think a little bit that that freak out when Miriam's on the news and he's like, I want her dead. I want yeah. her in the ground. I think that a little too much De Niro came in there and then he got self-conscious. <laughs> I, th- I think he's like, oh, no, I literally just stole from that movie and we only did two takes of it because we've got no money. Oh, that's just the movie now. Oh, shucks. And then you don't really want to swing for the fences anymore. You want to, you know, you want to pull it in, reel it in a little because you've just committed plagiarism on one of the most famous performances in movie history. I don't know. This movie also in the, in the strip club has a, a graduate shot. So yes! <laughs> yes! yes, that's true. Mr. Tucker, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. This movie wears its cinematic prestige on its sleeve yeah. or lack there thereof. Are no sleeves. Yeah, yeah, there's... <laughs> <laughs> sleeves are not allowed in the year 1991. <laughs> they really filmed the stripping too. They were really like, yeah, they shot a lot of that strip club. The editor's like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> I think they found a way. I think it's a great. <laughs> I-, I love when a dystopian movie doesn't jump far enough ahead <laughs> like it was made in 1989 and they're like yeah this is where the world's gonna be in a year and a half we got this 1991 <laughs> seems like it it nailed it the beauty of this movie is it's like we get to watch it now in 2022 <laughs> the year of Har lord in 1989 when they were making it they're swinging so wild at these symbols that are like crazy but uh, but also at the same time saying in a way that feels somewhat radical that it's like 
all structural organizations of society are criminal enterprises. And because we can only shoot one to two people at a time, we can't show it in like a nuance. Ooh, that evil is baked into the system sort of way. We have to show it in like, no, the CEO of the cops is a vicious murderer, a criminal who will just take everything he wants. And that is true of government, of the clergy of all sort of uh, positions of power within society is all criminals is all the warriors is society right it is we are all just our own gangs fighting for our own territory exactly and there's no fixing it in the end there's no fixing the corruption there's no redemption it's just well we killed that guy so our problems are solved right what happens to the cops after the they, movie they gonna, just keep going yeah they're gonna elect someone else to head the cops like he basically says we're reforming yes and oh my god i can't uh, i don't even know if we should talk about it yet <laughs> he does it in front of a confederate flag yes oh yes, yeah yeah which yes, yes he does it in front what? of a confederate confederate flag over his shoulder they've already shot the bad guy right they've just shot the corrupt leader of the police right we <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the CEO of the, the police. CEO, CEO police. right. The CEO fucking consigliere capo fucking de giorno <laughs> of the police force. Yeah, fucking William Zip looking like Mike Patton and stop making sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, what? Okay, wait. The so Mr. Grimes, no, the no, but the, I just like, was, sorry, sorry. I just don't, Josh, you don't. Take, 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 no, don't, don't you put us on we, track? We don't, don't you just, put us goddamn on track? don't allow us to just. Say the word Confederate flag and then move on, <laughs> you bastard. I think this movie is all secretly lost cause propaganda, which is exactly why I think this is the same reactionary type of movie as would be made today, as would be made as some, I don't know, operator shooting primarily Chinese zombies like coming over a border, like whatever because of (laughs) 5G or whatever movie is being made today. And if it hasn't been made today, call me Hollywood. Uh, 5G zombies exists. Of course it does. We've talked about it. Right, we've talked about it. We have, yep. It's the same thing then, but instead of QAnon, it's fucking, it's Confederacy, like, agitprop. Like, literally, David Carradine, like, winks and thumbs up with a Confederacy flag behind him and goes, we'll do it better next time. It's like, that's (laughs) literally the message of the Lost Cause. It's, it's crazy it feels look i know that i i wear this scarlet s on my (laughs) denim jacket whenever we're recording because i am a slut for semiotics yes but it does not take a fine tooth comb to see (laughs) after the villainous head of the cops has been killed the hero of the movie standing in front of a confederate flag and going next time next time we'll get him (laughs) oh this movie is upsetting and i i love it i love it so much we got to talk about the music in this goddamn movie because the music is incredible. Anyway, back to our recap podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because we don't have very much to recap in this movie. Yeah. There is barely <laughs> no any plot. meat on this bone, but the music, <laughs> the music. Oh, there's so many tunes that sound like things you've heard before, but are the public domain versions of yeah. them. When they're at the DMZ, the strip club. Oh, awesome. Awesome. 
there's a song playing. It's playing through the entirety of the scene, and I have no idea what the lyrics are. I think it's "Here's to the meager." <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but it's great. It sounds very biblical. Yeah, there there was a song that I was convinced was sung by Rockwell, the guy who did "Somebody's Watching Me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like. I always feel like somebody's watching me. I was like, that guy's definitely singing this song. Definitely not. Is 1,000% not singing that song. I've got a suspicion that I'm being spied upon. (laughs) I remember that song. These movies and the music in them is like Impressionism, right? They saw a poster for RoboCop (laughs) and then like a free writing exercise wrote this script to be like that. (laughs) These songs are like someone heard Rockwell in the other room two years ago. They were like, but I I, I really remember what it sounds like. Yeah. It's more more like rock medium well. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It it shouldn't work this well, this movie. Because it's a RoboCop ripoff Take away the robot. Not completely. <laughs> no, just the arm. Just we, leave, we the arm. leave the arm. We will leave the arm. Leave the arm. Take the metaphor. <laughs> Let's just take the robo out. And the deft hands of Verhoeven are missing. That is what Robocop required because there were robots. But a movie like this, it's better that it doesn't have it and then takes away the robots so that it's just literally about... Men are vicious, evil things. I'm picturing the James Cameron pitch with the whiteboard where he writes <laughs> RoboCop and then he writes an S at the end. And everyone's like, whoa. whoa. And then he crosses out the robo and they're like, yo! <laughs> You're crazy! <laughs> We do have to talk about the absolute best part of the movie, though. The 80 minutes of runtime? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still fell asleep. Had to watch the rest of it this morning. Come that on. Happened. What? This is Fury Road. You know what else is plot light? Fury Road. And that doesn't matter because it's, it's an adrenaline rush. And this movie is an adrenaline rush. <laughs> so the very, very end of the movie is when you get the only part of the RoboCop. He activates like the remote hand and uses it to beat up on Adams's uh, right hand man. And it like flies through the air, gives him the okay symbol, and then goes back into its trunk. And then I I do like that at the very, very end, when Tucker shoots Becker, the right-hand man guy, he spins his gun around RoboCop style. And that's like the one like, ah? There's there's fantastic hand acting in this movie. Robo hand acting, gun spinning hand acting. My personal favorite is when Tucker is cornered by two cops in a in an alleyway and he thinks well this is it gotta go sometime and then a woman saves his life and we don't see her we just see him go "Eh?" like finger guns (laughs) over to his savior like "Ah, you son of a bitch yeah the most tragic character roxanne yes roxanne roxanne a hundred thousand bucks is a lot of money baby but you know i've always been kind of sweet on you Go ahead, take a walk. Tucker, next time it'll have to be different. Roxanne is really the only person who stands up against the system as it works by itself. It's like, hey, Tucker, I know you're a good person 
who doesn't deserve to just be shot in the street, even though he's probably one of the few in this world who does deserve to be shot in the street <laughs> because he just shoots people in the street. That's the entirety of his job. So Roxanne's really the one hero, and all she wants is to fuck David Carradine. And she deserved it, damn it. She and deserved, she deserved it. it. I loved her super sad. It has to be different next time. Parting line to him. I would have liked <laughs> if the movie was entirely about her. Yeah, Roxanne was dope. But again, it's all this. It's, you know, I hate just saying right wing over and over again, but it's like. If you take Verhoeven out of Robocop, all you have is right wing because it's about the. Same thing with Starship Troopers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's like how people misinterpret Starship Troopers and like, ah, yeah, militarization is great. And you're like, <laughs> you, you got the wrong message from that movie, bro. But what's funny is we all do it. Exampled by the fact that, Josh, you just said one of the things that makes this a RoboCop ripoff is he does the RoboCop gun spin as if RoboCop was the movie that invented gun spinning. Not (laughs) it was commenting on a reactionary like gun culture in America, in our institutions of law and order and heroes versus villains. And has literally and been the, the thing of we've, the Western yeah, and, the yeah, thing and, we've yeah. filmed American since movies. we invented film. The first thing when we were like, we can capture pictures. We were like, let's film these guys uh, shooting and spinning their guns around. Isn't that sweet? Shooting at the camera, yeah. at yeah. the audience specifically. Literally. The gun spin in RoboCop literally comes from his son watching a TV show. That's like where he gets it. Yeah. So it's all about the the militarization, the prevalence of violence in television. And this movie's, you know, <laughs> I drank a beer. I'm going to shoot a guy on the street. Like that's- <laughs> Yet Marion and her friend, both named characters, have a long conversation when Marion is uh, <laughs> like, like they get a lot of characterization for the, the Bechdel test? I think it passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> at least, at least one of the tests. You guys can't. You... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like Alison Bechdel as much as the next person. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we can't keep using that as the, like, this is the no, scientific metric. No, 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 we can. We, and we will. <laughs> also, her name was scrawled on the list of bounties in the middle of the movie. But no, um, <laughs> <laughs> when Marion, aka Firebird Legs Lady, <laughs> like when she showed up, I was I was literally like, she's gonna have no characters. This character's yeah. characterization is going to be pencil skirt, shoulder pads, <laughs> and immediately info dumps about her week. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has gone wrong today. Everything. My sister moved in with me last night because she had a fight with her husband. I have a fight with my landlord because my rent check bounced again. And to top the day off, I ran out of gas on the freeway. Calm down. Calm down. I am about to get the biggest break in my whole career and I know something else is going to go wrong. My hair. Look at my hair. What am I going to do? Your hair is fine, Marion. Come on. We don't know anything about any other aspect of this movie at all other than the cops are bad. Right. We don't even know about our hero. We don't even know about John Tucker yet. But we know about the ins and outs of Marion's fucking hell week. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, the movie's got priorities. I felt like that character skirted both boring things. It pencil like, skirted? It pencil skirted around. <laughs> it pencil skirted around both boring sort of edges of that type of character where she obviously wasn't the super like 
I'm career focused and I'm going to do anything to get this story out person because she did not have a story. She was literally yeah. just a like a media person who is like, I can get famous now. Like, this is my and chance then, to and be then famous. later is like asking very run of the mill questions. Just like, sorry, I ask so many questions. I'm just a journalist, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know. but also isn't. It was, a, I suppose, a not serious character, but the serious characters here are awful. The two characterizations of people who seem to be normal in any sort of way that we are viewing public, people who don't believe the world should actually be us all pointing guns at each other and being like, <laughs> finally, we're safety. <laughs> is like, I felt more for the friend just oh. cooking in their oh. kitchen and dancing to some music. In the middle of this movie, I was like, I genuinely feel for this character. That was the <laughs> moment it, that felt most like a human being. Yeah. yeah, which is maybe sad that that's how little it needed. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching people cook in movies where they're just like, oh, a little dash of this, <laughs> yeah. a little dash of that. Yeah. Her little, her I little will dance. not test it. Uh, I will not taste it. At, at like the very earliest step too. It's like onions in olive oil. All right, we're cooking. <laughs> Damn. There's a great moment that I feel like sums up so much, which is Tucker, John Tucker is sitting in the DMZ, which is the hottest strip joint in town, yeah. <laughs> where all the cops hang out. It's called the DMZ because the tough-talking bartender with a shotgun says no one can do violence oh. there. It's the demilitarized zone. Yeah, which, again, yeah, is saying the quiet part loud and being the cops are military. <laughs> yes. The cops are the military. Yeah. The cops are the military. Yes. I'm so, I love that so much. As far as like on-the-nose filmmaking, that's my favorite kind. Yeah. Yep. The real question is, can we continue to the rising They're watching the news. Marion, the newscaster, comes on and basically says, we have shit on the cops. We're going to blow it wide open. All the cops are watching it. And, uh, and, and she's like, and she's like, we're going to expose all the unnecessary violence, et cetera, et cetera. And David Carradine just looks basically dead into the camera and goes, necessary. And then he shoots the TV in exactly the yeah. place where her head was on the TV, which to me, that whole scene it reads actually forget about the magic robot arm. That scene reads more like right-wing RoboCop than any other scene in this movie because when he walks in the bar, everyone turns their head and watches him, like, walk in. It's, like, as if he were a robot or, you know, he's, like, the toughest... I mean, murderer on the force. Like, he kills the most people. (laughs) Quickest draw in L.A. County. It's also so funny how many weird character actors got work just being bounty hunter cops in the background that look ridiculous until you think about what dog the bounty hunter looks like and it's exactly like one of these oh my god you're right yeah you remember that that's the world that we that you're standing on (laughs) it's revealed later that tucker gets a uh a jump on finding marion because billy through his hacking always has a jump first on when the bounties are released so he can always be kind of the first one there billy the movie's tech support yes yes (laughs) yeah yeah. the guy every time the movie is lagging he just shows up and, and like hits the side of the monitor and goes <laughs> it works now we turned yeah. it off and turned it back here on here you go batman <laughs> here's the plot point we need now 
But this is a foil to Adam's plan because Tucker is not on the personal payroll of cops. It's like, this but is he a is. But he yeah. is. No, he's specifically a cop. There's additional maybe, bribes. Maybe on that's top why he snapped his, uh, yeah. his pencil because he realized, shit, I'm paying all of the cops and I'm paying some of the cops more, more than the rest right, of the but, cops. But they're all just as dirty. And that's like, one of these beautiful things that is not the intention of the movie, but reveals the internal sort of like lack of logic of the whole thing when the cops whole job is to go there and shoot people to death there will be less reasons to pay lots of cops when some people are just like really good at shooting people yeah and so of course one cop can get away with only surviving on bounties when he just shoots everyone and then the rest of them can't do that. <laughs> I'm, I was a huge fan of when Tucker shows up to get paid the first time and the woman behind the desk just opens a drawer and pulls out a magical wad of $10,000 wrapped <laughs> in rubber bands and just nonchalantly puts it on the table he doesn't count it, walks away. And and my first thought was, you just had the exact amount of money <laughs> yeah. in cash in a drawer. And the answer was, I, I thought that. And I was like, ha, 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 how ridiculous. And then the movie's like, no, literally every time somebody shoots somebody else, that's boom, $10,000 that they just have in this drawer. And the movie actually makes that make sense. Yep. <laughs> this isn't a minority report, right? Where it's like, oh my God, a murder. Oh, this, th there's barely any <laughs> murders, but we got to go stop this murder. It, it feels like the job of the police is going out there, shooting somebody, coming back, getting handed $10,000. And then like, that's just every day. Which means the yeah. rinse and repeat. These are very rich people. And that's why no one's on the streets, because would you be? No. <laughs> that's why there's no traffic in LA anymore. Like, I would be home <laughs> yeah, exactly. all the time. They've shot yeah. large swaths of the population. There's like 270 people left in LA now. That's why the cast was so low. And the so rest low. don't want to leave their house. Yeah, that's why they only shot like two people at a time. That's huge. He's in a wheelchair. What happened to him? I guess it's just the reporter in me. It was almost 20 years ago. One night, my partner and I responded to a breaking and entering. Went into the house alone. It was dark. I was scared. Something moved in the shadows. I fired. And I saw Billy laying there. Six years old. Ever since then, I've sort of looked after him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I accidentally <laughs> shot this kid on duty, and I've been taking care of him ever since, a.k.a. employing him to help yeah. me with my... <laughs> and I don't care if he lives or dies. Yeah, I've, I've been taking care of him, which means that he tells me when I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He sits in one room. Did they ever make explicit that it was a wheelchair? Was yes. They, okay, good. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. No, very early on, I was like, oh, interesting. Billy's in a wheelchair. That's cool. And I thought that was just going to be a throwaway like character point. I didn't need them to explain why Billy was in a wheelchair. Well... <laughs> I, I mean, but or why they were friends? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was reading too much into it, but the way that Marion asks that, yes. where she she's like, "So, do you have a wife? You got any family? No. 
what about that Billy guy? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like kind of like, mm, you two? Yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed the chemistry there. Is that, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally loved that. Just a friend. What I said earlier about how funny I thought it was that there could only ever be four people on screen at one time. There was a, a, a glimmer of hope at the very end with the final <laughs> yeah. shootout yeah, when yeah, yeah. Tucker shows up to the junkyard and there's Becker <laughs> and so Adams and so two lackeys. Glad you called me, Tucker. I knew in the end you'd be sensible about this thing. I think he must be a, a little confused. What? I came here to take you in. <laughs> take me in? You crazy, Tucker? Maybe. You know, I gave you a chance, Tucker. I gave you a chance. And they start the fight. I was like, I was like, oh, they're gonna be five people, and fucking Tucker immediately blasts the other two guys out of the movie. And I was like, how? Yeah. how? There can only be four, three, three, <laughs> three, my lord. That moment is so great because it is. It does so many things all at once. One. Tucker is so good at killing people, is so good at shooting. <laughs> they had him outnumbered four to one, and he immediately changed those odds to two to one, which is sweet, which <laughs> is what you should do in that situation, I suppose, if you ever find yourself in that situation and have no problem with taking human life. Take as many as you can right away and then readjust. <laughs> but that last fight with Becker is pretty, pretty fucking sweet. Uh, and by sweet, it, I mean it is prolonged. prolonged. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we felt the prolonged arm of the law. I, I do love the trope of the major domo lackey who isn't really in it for anything except the chaos and the violence. Like he's like, I'll do anything for you because I just want to kill people. Yes. They have a shootout first. Then they have a fist fight because they can and it doesn't look great. Then he takes them out via robo glove and you think that's it. But then of course, somehow he gets away to murder Billy and to do the, the villain scare at the end of the movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the final like shootout, like, Becker does not go down no, without a Becker fight. No, Becker rules. The beginning of his real characterization is maybe, to me, the funniest scene in movie history, which is William Zip, our real big bad, has just freaked out. Is like, I want this news person's head. Now I want that tape, Becker. You hear me? I want that tape in my hand. I want her dead in a box six feet in the ground. I want her in a box in the ground with a really nice surface and a tasteful bouquet and enough people that it doesn't look weird. So you're the henchman to that. You're like, all right, boss, I'm right on it. Becker stands up, walks over to a computer that was four yes. feet away. The shot <laughs> unbroken. Four feet, it was like two. It was a, it was I mean, it was a comedy <laughs> shot. It was just like one angle on the desk. I'll handle it, boss. Pan right angle on the computer like it was perfect and he sits down and he types up miriam news lady crime treason sentence death and then he turns back to the boss and goes that's it all we have to do now is sit back and wait and the boss goes no i want you to be involved with this personally and he goes my pleasure jace oh sweet and he pulls out his gun <laughs> and he uh, cocks it his Luger. His Luger, yeah. right. And he cocks it and he pulls the trigger showing that it's empty. He's just carrying an empty Luger around with him. <laughs> and he goes, sweet, I can't wait to do a murder. Funny thing about Becker is that he's the best killer. Terrible police officer in that he's, I guess, maybe like the real cops, always 
on the back foot is consistently behind everybody else in the movie in trying to find the people that he's trying to find. Yeah, yeah. Becker is either so far behind he has to murder people to cover up future murders. He also is so far <laughs> ahead of the plot he has to murder people to cover up future non-murders. He's got to kill people before they're alive <laughs> and die people before they're dead. Hello, Roxanne. Let a known criminal escape. Becker, you can just kiss this officer's ass. Oh my God, we've we've not only I I was worried that we had stepped past Becker's storyline. We have uh, completely ignored Roxanne. Uh, well, so does the movie, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's such a tragic hero. Of all of the COPS, she's probably the best COP easily. I mean, she literally just asks tucker's friend hey where is tucker and he and he's like mm, okay yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah she asks billy for tucker's secret location because he's on the run i'm not supposed to tell you but then again tucker did shoot me paralyze me put me in this closet and makes me tell him where bounties are so <laughs> oh no i'm now getting shot hey is it daytime can you tell me there are no windows in here i have no idea <laughs> Roxanne is a COPS who wants to see his P in her V. <laughs> Just pretty straightforwardly propositions John Tucker. About I take you out. Not tonight. But uh, take a rain check. Any kind of weather. Any kind of weather at all. Sick is a great line, <laughs> is like super sweet. I immediately was like, Roxanne rules. I love Roxanne. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. And then she disappears for like 30 minutes. A good minutes. portion of the movie until John Tucker has decided, seemingly against character, to not kill the news lady. Because he is from the LAPD and she surrendered. So oh, by law, he can't shoot her. Oh, that's He was taught why... by the good cops. By his code. By his code, right. He would rather kill everyone, <laughs> but if you do surrender to be, if you waive your right to die, then he has to I was wondering, because he is extremely determined to get her there alive, and everything before that moment leads me to believe that he does not give a shit. But they also explain it, because she says, So why don't you just kill me and get yourself off the hook? Nah, not much time. Also untrue. untrue. Yeah, untrue. <laughs> exactly. Your That's style. not what the movie is yeah, told you us. Have, we have only seen you kill people and leave them there, and have been chastised by the woman sitting behind the desk, handing out large sums of money. That the only thing he tends to do is yeah. kill people <laughs> and leave them there. for once. Maybe bring them in alive yep. next time. It was a parking ticket, John. A parking ticket. <laughs> right. He's decided now for some reason to leave this beautiful young woman alive. <laughs> for some reason. Because he has not immediately killed her and is just taking her to fucking, I don't know, somewhere. To in front of the judge <laughs> is all we get, which is very Western, <laughs> so that the judge can kill you. I'm going to keep you alive so you can die. <laughs> <laughs> because he's decided to do this, now the main bad guy has put out a bounty on John Tucker and Billy can only keep it secret for so long and when the when the alarm goes off ow, ow, kill david carradine now go get him and everyone <laughs> runs out roxanne goes ah, i don't know 
And she takes the longest amount of time to get into her brown station wagon. <laughs> beige. 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 Yeah, thank you. Brown, yeah, brown is too exciting a color. Beige for when brown is too cool. Yeah, Roxanne calls and, you know, saves Tucker from getting shot by shooting people. And all I wanted for her was to get some of that David Carradine dick. I really thought yeah. that yeah. that meant that the movie would make Miriam not a love interest, would be just like, I'm here to protect you. And yes. Roxanne and David Carradine would be the people fucking at the end of this movie. Yeah, really, I think the reason that Tucker and Roxanne don't hook up in the movie is because when he's in the DMZ, he can't wear the glove. And when they say, no glove, no love. <laughs> <laughs> You cracked it wide open. No, and it was like two deaths in that moment because it was both the death of Roxanne, which was like, oh, I liked this character and she's gone now. And it's like, a, you know, it's a, it's a throat slit murder, so it's extra effective. It's also the, the death of a dream that this movie was going to let at least two characters who seemed relatively age appropriate be the romantic focus <laughs> in the movie instead of like this 23 year old and a David Carradine rug thrown over like a science classroom skeleton essentially <laughs> <laughs> they told me you were the best hell I've killed women tougher than you what are you gonna do with that thing change channels on me Chekhov's remote control. Mm. Yes. Yes. We cannot leave without talking about this. It's yes. so great for a number of reasons. One is that, like, of course it's seated early. And it's a hilariously seated early where Billy's like, I promise you, Tucker, it's gonna work. And Tucker's like, yeah, sure, Billy. It's like, motherfucker, I built you a superhero glove. <laughs> you shot me in the back and I've done nothing but give you superpowers. Can I get a little bit of trust here? <laughs> Just a little. And, the, and the remote control is a button. Yeah. A singular it's, button. It's one but, button. It's, but it's how you use the button, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Well, it? this is why Roxanne wanted Tucker, because he's very good at pressing that button in, <laughs> in really specific ways Ooh. to make the arm do interesting, intricate things. Or just a testament to what a technical genius Billy was. It's a psychic button. Yeah, it's a button that will do what <laughs> you want it to. It's a, it's a button that will literally, you just keep pressing it with different intentions, and the and it will do those things. David Carradine presses the little red button at the top. The trunk of his car opens. Then he presses the little red button. Yeah. The box yeah. that the glove is yeah. in opens. He presses that <laughs> same button. The glove comes alive electronically and starts to float. He presses the same button, and the glove starts flying towards him, changing directions with every press of the same button. And it is the only scene in the movie that is covered with any stylistic flair. There's like three minutes of the movie that looks like a mid-90s Sam Raimi totally. movie. Yeah, yes. Yes. There's the POV arm cam where like the camera's following the robot hand and it's pretty neat and it's zooming around. The day that we can't just hook up a prop to a camera and then move the camera. Cinema dies. The day I stop liking that is the day <laughs> you should put me out to pasture. <laughs> Cinema truly does. Oh! Oh! Now, what David Carradine didn't plan for is the Robo Glove strangulation. 
Which is really, if you think about it, David Carradine's main problem is he never, th- it's, he always misjudges <laughs> just how much strangling he needs to do. Go to hell. Go to hell. <laughs> if my man's got one fatal flaw, it's he's always misjudging just how much strangling. Literally, <laughs> Literally fatal flaw. <laughs> but, so Becker hasn't oh, been killed. Dear. He kicks open the door to Billy's prison cell, let's call it what it is, and, and shoots him. <laughs> and, and Tucker has walked into the police station. All the cops have now pulled guns on him. And he's going, Ooh, <laughs> Billy, I hope you save my life. Meanwhile, Billy, the child he paralyzed by shooting him is dying on the floor. And our lead is going like, uh-oh, like pulling his fucking collar and going like, ah, oh, I got myself in a real pickle now because he doesn't give a single shit. About his grown-up child slave. What happened to his parent? I think the implication was his parents were doing a crime. Oh, he okay. was supposed to go in there and shoot them. <laughs> and probably still did. <laughs> and prob- probably, probably was did. like, oh shit, I shot a kid also by accident. Rookie cop hadn't even shot his first kid yet. <laughs> Apparently, Billy said, no, please don't shoot me. I thought he said, no, please don't shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Billy's last act is to hit the anarchy, putting Adams into the system. All of the cops turn their guns from Tucker to Adams because they're like, well, the big blinking billboard told me I got to kill my boss. I feel like there was one guy who was like, if I shoot Tucker, I get $100,000. If I shoot my boss, will I even have a job? Ah, I hate authority. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's not right. That's a mistake. No, 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 no. That's a mistake. Don't do it! It's a mistake! No, it's a mistake! It's a mistake! Oh, here's guy. No, it's very satisfying. It is, it is the right uh, shot to save, like, all effects for. Like a slow-mo squid Yeah, squib and, the, and they field. saved all of yeah, their yeah, squibs yeah. for this <laughs> Yeah, kill. because it, it, even if, you know, sometimes he just breaks a pencil, he is still, like... The villain, the bad guy. He thought he was going to get away with all of it. He was, was hoisted by his own petard. You know, the system he built killed him. And also he was bad. And also it's all the effects. Like, it's like this movie may be a lot of things, but it knows how to, like, deliver a real satisfying, like, sort of bad guy climax shot. It, it, awesome. It was sweet. Sweet movie. No problems. Yeah, and then Marion and Tucker ride off into the sunset, literally, Cause she'll go anywhere you want to take me. Yeah, she's Patty Hearst. She's she's been Stockholm syndrome yeah. bad. She's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to. My brain's broken. This experience has absolutely shot my idea of reality. I think it's my just, best friend is dead. My best friend. I think it's just you now because you essentially kidnapped me and killed everyone else in my life. So uh... also everybody else in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do we go now? <laughs> Which is a great question to people who believe in this sort of like any sort of view of the world that is just like it is about the fucking bad guy with a gun is only stopped by a good guy with a gun it's like the sort of emotional state that undergirds that sort of thinking is undone by the last line of this movie being like all right you got the world you want where do we go now (laughs) 
Well, yeah. Yeah, he did it. Everyone got shot. There's also something beautiful and semiotic about the hero of that world of what you just described being legacy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like being part of this system that their fathers have been a part of and their father's father. That it can only be done by someone who has it in their blood. On like the meta level, right? Like David Carradine being a part of this like long lineage of actors yeah. portraying this type of character. Yeah, right. Like the young people are taken by it too much. It's like we need an old wizened soul who's willing to kill all the right people. <laughs> And it's the same people who've been playing the old wizened soul yeah. willing to kill the right people f- since the media people existed. who made the world this way. For the past 40 years, we've been telling movies about good guys with guns shooting the bad guys with the guns and doing it even though they, you know, it go, you know, oh, it's bad to kill, blah, blah, blah. But the right thing to do is to kill those bad guys and that's it. We need powerful good guys with guns. The sort of image it cuts across storytelling is, ah, shit, this ain't working. <laughs> ah, shit. Yeah, these guys <laughs> killing people sure just seems to just be all they do. <laughs> ah, what a bummer. Wow, damn, oh, damn, what a bummer of a movie. That rule. What now, Tucker? Start over. Make it right. A robot arm. Robot arm. <laughs> You zoom, zoomed out of the trunk when I pressed that button against that skunk named Becker who killed lots of girls. And so did I, if you trust the world. <laughs> the cops are bad. So are the priests. We didn't even talk about the bazooka he used. We didn't. We didn't talk about the priest using a bazooka in this movie. How did we talk for two hours and a priest using a bazooka? Didn't even come up. A robot arm. <laughs> A robot arm. Rip off report card. The Future Force ripoff report card is brought to you by the new DTLA DTV walking tour, where David Winters and Peter Uval take you to all of the filming locations of over 900 <laughs> movies made in the same three block radius of derelict warehouses. <laughs> If you're like me, and if you're listening to the podcast, you are. The inclusion of David Carradine into a plotless B-movie yields a thought of, well, at least I know one thing will be good about this trash. (laughs) Immediately recognizable and monolithic to the point of almost absurdity, Carradine is ubiquitous. If you have been a viewer of media for the past half century, it'd be more surprising if you hadn't seen it. Famous for starring as the half-white, half-Chinese Shaolin monk, Kwai Chang Kane in ABC's Kung Fu. Despite being almost entirely Irish, Carradine has carved a legacy that includes more than 100 features and many, many seasons of television. Carradine didn't study martial arts or know Kung Fu before he was cast in his eponymous role, but credits his training as a dancer to his ability to sell the moves. From the show's success, he did ultimately learn martial arts and often called himself an evangelist of the art. The show apparently introduced the term grasshopper for apprentice into the cultural zeitgeist. Uh, I can go on about his many achievements, but I won't. That's the stuff you probably know. So let's get to the crazy shit. (laughs) David Carradine was born John Arthur Carradine Jr. and had a tumultuous childhood. He had a number of half-brothers, including Robert and Keith Carradine, and David's parents were on again, off again for much of his early life. It was apparently tough enough 
that he attempted to hang himself at the age of five. What? But was saved by his dad, who summarily threw away his comic collection. In a 2004 interview with AV Club, he says that he didn't know his dad was an actor for a while. He thought he was a sea captain because he dressed like that, and all he would talk about was his schooner. He apparently met all the big names of the time, like John Barrymore and Errol Flynn, but said that they were just the old guys who were drunk all the time. (laughs) He was shuffled around in his teens, sometimes with John in New York, sometimes with foster parents. He apparently went to 17 different schools because he kept getting into fights and skipping class. Sometimes the fights were with gangs. Sometimes it was because he apparently didn't talk right. Sometimes it was because his dad killed Jesse James in the 1939 film, and kids were mad about that. In 1960, he attempted to dodge the draft and failed, uh, enlisting in the army, where he was court-martialed a number of times for shoplifting. And this will be a constant theme for the rest of the ripoff report card. (laughs) As is obvious in Future Force, uh, Carradine had a bit of a substance abuse problem and was arrested a number of times throughout his career for drunk driving and other mischievous, intoxicated activities, including in 1974, during the height of Kung Fu's popularity, he was arrested because he was strutting around Laurel Canyon, where he lived, naked, high on peyote where he apparently broke it into his neighbor's house, cutting his arm on the glass, and assaulted two young women while asking one of them if she was a witch. (gasps) While shooting America 3000 in South Africa in 1980, he was arrested for marijuana possession, but claimed that it was a setup by the apartheid government for publicly dancing with Tina Turner. (laughs) What? What? One of the stranger findings in my research is in a post-Kill Bill interview with IGN where he says, quote, nobody in that movie is afraid of anything, if you notice. And that's one of the things about Tarantino that I really like. No pussies, you know? They'll all look at death straight in the face and spit at it. Then the writer of, at IGN posits, that said, is David Carradine a pussy? Well, I'm not afraid of anything, he smiles coyly. So he's not afraid of death? No. That smile emerges again. Why would you be afraid of death? It would just be an inconvenience. After his death by hanging, (laughs) thought to be autoerotic asphyxiation that went too far, his fourth wife, of five, wrote a tell-all book about their marriage as well as an investigation into what she believes to be murder most foul. A chicken did Uh. it? So, <laughs> so to Kane, to Frankenstein, to the man who played Woody Guthrie, David Carradine, may you always grace a video store shelf, no matter what section. But also, there's like a shitload of 80s and 90s Corman Filipino flicks. So if you're looking, go to the action <laughs> section. <laughs> and that is the Future Force ripoff report card. A robot arm. Rip off report card. Okay. Classmates of Video High, that was Future Force. I honestly forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> it's so... White how, Fury, could, how could you? Man could Killers, you? Lock and Load, Rapid Genuinely Fire. You take your pick. Not remember what the movie was called. Title unimportant. <laughs> so, 
before we erase the rest of this movie from our minds. <laughs> what? Might end up on the final test. Just something to chew on. When looking up villain William Zip's filmography, he mostly just acted in AIP slash David A. Pryor movies. And his first role in 1985's Kill Zone, which is like a straight up nom exploitation actioner, he plays a guy just named Manly. And I'm tickled by that. <laughs> I have to suspect that this movie is, you know, deep down there, some sort of, you know, pro Confederacy agitprop kind of right-wing reactionary film that has over the 30 plus years since its creation has somehow come true so i'm excited for i don't know 2050 when whatever fucking 5g groomer anon like (laughs) like (laughs) crt monster that is being written about now is terrorizing the american countryside Three years, 2022, people are being canceled on Twitter, and it's the worst thing that can possibly happen to you. The color white has been outlawed. <laughs> Live, die, retweet. <laughs> oh my god, now someone's gonna take that idea. That's so good. C O P S, that could also stand for. <laughs> Josh has been workshopping this. Bring, it, yeah. bring us home, Josh. Carradine Authoritarian Police State? Acronyms are hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that you took out your notebook like you had multiples. I know I you had half of one. <laughs> I also have obeys and over? I don't know where that one was going. See on that one you just forgot the letter C. Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music, Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Shear for our logo, and the entire Video Eye crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. Tune in next time when the class goes to sex ed for the 1990 psychosexual urban planning thriller, Naked Obsession. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what? I just had like a feeling of real hope for the first time. Uh, Not for anything like real or important, but... (laughs) Yeah. In your ear. Podcast Network.